if I just pray and receive Jesus or make a decision, then I'm all right. I mean, I don't, I don't really have to try and change my life altogether because God knows that it's really hard and, I, and I'm just human, right? I mean, when he says be holy, he must mean something other than me actually being holy, right? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkes-Barre in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. Good morning. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded, and you'll find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com and on Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content, and you will find us uh, and I don't, I'm not sure how long this will be with the cold coming upon us, but you're going to find us in person every Sunday at noon in the public square in Wilkesbury, where we preach, we sing, we pray with people. We have a street meeting out there. You can contact us also at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. I would like to begin a look at holiness as the Bible speaks of holiness. And I have found a book which I'm going to use the the book is is basically an outline and I will use the verses the outline that's from there. There's a couple places where I may disagree with the author and I'll, you know, move things here or there, but on the whole this book Be Ye Holy by Leslie D Wilcox is an excellent book. You probably can buy it online at certain places, but it has scripture references um, over and over and over again and, and ex- pretty well exhaustively treats of holiness in the Bible. So we're going to be using that as our outline and just somebody whose labor went into that helping today uh, to delve into a topic that is quite large. Um, so by way of introduction, I would like to start with holiness terminology and the key words uh, that would be used for describing the life of holiness and what holiness is and isn't and all that. If we define our terms right in the beginning, it'll help us as we move along and look at certain passages. So it's important to give the uh, pay, pay close attention to the words that are used to tell about it, and we don't want any misunderstandings regarding this issue. So this is of utmost importance as we go through the doctrine of holiness. With that being said, There are many different ideas of holiness throughout Christendom, and especially today, many different ideas about holiness. Where we derive our understanding of holiness should be from the scriptures. And you would think, well, if if everyone says that that's what they're doing, then why are there so many different ideas? Uh, I don't know. I can't necessarily fault everybody for, you know, how we interpret whatever's going on. And when I say by that is, I don't think that 
people are knowingly trying to do evil. I'm sure there are some of those too, and some people are just dead wrong. But there is, you know, a little wrestling we have to do trying to figure out what the Word of God teaches. As far as I know and understand right now, what I'm telling you is what I have studied through and believed to be what the Bible teaches. So let's start with one word, obviously, holy. What does holy mean? Well, there are times where it's talking about being free from something, being free from moral defilement or being free from uncleanness. We can find that in the Old Testament through um, objects that were used inside of the temple. They were, uh, there were th things said to be clean and unclean. Animals were clean or unclean. Garments spotted with leprosy or mildew in the house or whatever, clean, unclean. So there's an uncleanness aspect. And then there's a moral defilement. There's an uncleanness of morality and holiness is free from those things, uncleanness or moral defilement. It's also used, <clears throat> excuse me, as an adjective. So it's a descriptive term, that is holy, or this person is holy, that place is holy. So we can use it descriptively. However, holy or holiness has God at its source. We know God is holy. I don't think there's anyone throughout all Christendom that believes other than God is holy. So God is the source of all holiness. And then we're told in the Bible that he created man in his image or in his likeness. And in the biblical account, he created everything good and we were in his likeness, but then all of creation was marred by sin. And you can look in very explicitly in the beginning of uh, Genesis and also Romans 5, where it, it, it talks about the basically the train wreck that followed all of that. So that holiness and that likeness was marred by sin. So when God is looking for holiness in people, he is looking to restore that which has been ruined and destroyed. Sin has ruined and destroyed us. It's ruined and destroyed all the earth. He wants to restore us back to holiness, which leads us to believe from the beginning definitions of free from moral defilement and uncleanness. To make us holy, he wants to make us not unclean anymore, and he wants to rid us from moral defilement. Those things, I think any of us, a thinking person can say that makes sense. God applies holiness to man. And we can read that in a bunch of verses. First, Colossians 3.12, we read, Put on, therefore, as the elect or chosen of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, bowels of mercies, rather, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. We, we read about being holy and beloved. He applies it to people. So if Paul, writing the letter to the Colossians, can call those chosen of God holy and beloved, then they fulfilled what God was trying to do. They were holy, right? So we know there's a possibility there. There were holy people there. Titus chapter 1, verse 8. He says, But be a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. So he says to be holy. It's, it's crazy when you, when you stop and think that there are people that actually argue against being holy when it's all over the Old and New Testament. I remember there was a, a preacher called Bud Robinson, and he said, there's so much holiness inside of this book 
It spilled all the way out onto the front cover. It says, Holy Bible. Now, I know that was tongue-in-cheek, but he was bringing out a point. The entirety of the book is about holiness. It's about taking a ruined and corrupted and destroyed people and making them who he's intended them to be. We see it throughout the entire history of Israel. And then we see in the New Testament how it was fulfilled, where he actually imparted that in great measure into his people so that here he can address them as holy. Or he could command and say that they are to be holy. Why would God command us to be holy if he couldn't do that? 1 Peter 1.15 But as he, God, which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy, in all manner of conversation. And that word conversation in the King James and Old Elizabethan English simply means our behavior, our, our lifestyle, our conduct. So he's saying, be ye holy in all manner of life, in everything that you do. Okay, that so he's applying it to man, to a person, to mankind. So that includes ladies too. Second Peter 3.11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? So he's saying holy conversation. There's that word conversation again. Holy conduct, a holy way of life. He's saying that is what we should be doing. Then he says in Revelation, or John says in Revelation 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such, the second death hath no power but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So here we find that we, that mankind has the possibility of being blessed and holy. He's saying that that was a prerequisite that they were blessed and holy that hath part in the first resurrection. In other words, it was the blessed and holy that, that got to be a part of that first resurrection. So there were people that were holy then, and there are still people that can be holy now, despite any of the things that you hear in modern day evangelicalism that tried to say that somehow we just keep on living in sin. It's completely against the tenor of this book. It's completely against the spirit of God. He calls people holy. The apostles call people holy. And then he commands people to be holy. God would be a tyrant if this wasn't possible. But we know God's not a tyrant. If we're a true Christian, we know that. We know his mercies. We know his forgiveness. We know his love. We know his consolations. So there must be something more to this. Holy, God refers to men as holy. And making men holy is restoring them back to health because sin has ruined all of us since the sin of Adam has ruined all of us. And God is restoring us back to holiness, which is wholeness of soul. Sometimes holiness is um, spoken of as being applied to uh, things. As I had mentioned before, uh, it's applied to snuff dishes and candlesticks and bread and also garments and whatever inside of the temple. Sometimes holy is described about times in the Bible. There were certain holy days and feast days. Then um, there's, there's a few cases uh, where we can look at it. Um, sometimes it's spoken of as a possession by God. So holy, this is holy. In other words, this is God's. This is set apart for his use. Then it's spoken of as a dedication to God. So, and I, can, I guess that kind of goes hand in hand a little bit with what I've just saying, but if this is 
holy and it's for God, then it was like the showbread, the table, all of those things inside of the temple. Those were used for one specific purpose. This was dedicated to God. The thing is that when it's applied in these kind of cases, things or times, it doesn't possess a moral character. It's speaking something totally different. And we can deduce that fairly easy as we look in Exodus chapter 35, verse 2. He says, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day there shall be to you, uh, yeah, there shall be to you an holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whosoever doeth work therein shall be put to death. So here we find a holy day. It's just a day set apart. It's not something with a moral character. Exodus 3.5, we read, And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. So here it is a thing. The ground is holy. The ground does not have moral character. But he's, he's saying that this ground is hallowed, dedicated God's here. That's why this ground is holy. Leviticus 27.30 And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. So he's saying the tithe is holy. It's dedicated to God. It is separated to God for his use. 2 Chronicles 35, 13. And they roasted the Passover with fire according to the ordinance, but the other holy offerings sawed they in pots and in cauldrons and in pans and divided them speedily among all the people. So here we find holy offerings dedicated to a purpose, ultimately dedicated to God. They're his, no moral character. Luke 1, 72 to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. So here we find a covenant that is holy. Here I would venture to say that there's more of a moral character in this promise. The promise in and of itself is holy. It's distinct. It's a covenant made between two people. So I would say that this has a little bit of a moral character involved, but it's yet again, it's something applied to a thing. It's not applied to a person in this regard. So we see that holiness is used as a descriptive term. We see it's used towards men. Men are called holy. We see it's moved towards things. We see that it's also describing times. So holiness is used in, in a lot of different ways, and we're just trying to gain an understanding of what that may be in the scripture to properly understand how it applies to us as people. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. So let's continue on, more specifically, setting apart for a sacred use. Some teach that as it relates, as holiness relates to man, that that is the only meaning 
that when we when God says that we're to be holy, we're just to be set apart for sacred use, and that's it. However, uh, the scripture says things not only that, but also as a moral quality, as 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 a freeness from defilement or uncleanness, as we said from the beginning. Scripture speaks of holiness or sanctification in a couple different ways. One is the moral quality and that when it is applied to people that have a moral quality, people that are even capable of being moral or immoral because things are not capable, they're inanimate objects. Days aren't capable, they're inanimate objects. But when it's applied to people that are made in the image of God, now there's all of a sudden a moral quality and it's applied to moral beings. We read before in 2 Peter 3, 11, and then uh, also the 14th verse of that same chapter, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation, holy conduct and godliness? So here we find a moral quality, not just setting apart. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. So if there was any question as to what that verse was talking about, we find here that it is talking about a a life, a conduct because of that 14th verse in the context describing what that holy conversation is in the 11th verse. So here, if we were to be fair and honest with the scripture, it is more than just being set apart. It tells what this holiness consists of in us as people. Moving on to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 15 through 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So holiness in the man, according to this verse, is to be the same that it, that it is in God. Is God just set apart then? Or does God have a moral quality of character? a morality in being. Because if, if he's just set apart, then we've got to revamp our entire theology about even who God is. But we know that God is holy as a part of a moral quality. So holiness here in man is said to be the same that's in God. And so this is definitely a moral quality that is being applied to man when holiness, the term holiness is used. So this is clear moral character of holiness. So we can't, we can't just simplistically reduce when the scripture says that men are to be holy, that we're just to be set apart. That is one aspect, but it is not the full aspect. There is also that moral character of holiness as well as a setting apart. Then we look at words like sanctify that are inside of the Bible, inside of the scriptures here. Um, we read about sanctification, uh, or excuse me, verb as a verb. Sanctify as a verb means to make holy. When it's applied to things, then we know it's not possessing a moral quality. When it's applied to people, sometimes people are told to do the sanctifying. And when people are told to do the sanctifying, it is equivalent to consecrating, to set apart. Because I literally cannot make my moral being more holy. That's the work of Christ and his grace and through his blood and through the cross. But he does say to us, consecrate yourselves, sanctify yourselves, meaning to consecrate, to set apart. I'm purposefully saying I'm not going to use myself for these wicked be means anymore. 
I'm set over to God. And you can find that in Romans chapter six, where he talks about yielding our members uh, as servants to righteousness rather than unholiness. That is a consecration. That is a setting apart. And I think it's, I want to say it's 2 Corinthians chapter 7, where he he talks about perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Um, I know it's not the same word sanctifying, but it is when he's telling us to do. Sanctifying, when sometimes applying to us, he's telling us to set ourselves apart. He's not doing the setting apart. That's something we have to do. Um, we, we find in the scriptures that they were men set apart for a particular office or function. And we find in Exodus 19.22, one of these instances. Let the priests also, which come near to the Lord, sanctify themselves. Notice God's not doing it. He's saying, you do it. Lest the Lord break forth upon them. So the priests needed to sanctify themselves, set themselves apart, consecrate themselves to a specific use and purpose. Uh, and then we look in Exodus 29.36. And thou shalt offer every day a bullock for a sin offering, for atonement. And thou shalt cleanse the altar when thou hast made an atonement for it, and thou shalt anoint it to sanctify it. So the altar is being set apart, is being consecrated for a specific purpose. And that's We're talking about the word sanctify here. Then we read in Deuteronomy 5.12 that we are to keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. So now the Sabbath day is set apart. Six days they, there was work and this one day the Sabbath was set apart from all the other days differently for one specific purpose. So we see sanctifying meaning consecrating or setting apart. So man is the object in all of this. And God, however, is the one that does the cleansing. So we can have our part where we are told or commanded to sanctify ourselves, but then we're told at times where God is sanctifying a person or sanctifying a man or a woman. And so then that is when God is doing the cleansing. And that is used in, in these ways, a cleansing from sin, bringing to a state of moral purity. That's what God does inside of us through faith. Um, and then the, we and specifically, we read about this in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and the very God of peace, sanctify you holy. Notice he's not asking us to do it. He's doing this one. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a sanctifying which men have to do, which is the setting apart and the consecrating. And then there's a sanctifying that God does, which is a cleansing. And that is a moral quality. So we find it used like that inside of the scripture. Another terminologies, or more terminology as it relates uh, to holiness, we find baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, what does this have to do with holiness? I thought that this was just some kind of endowment for power. Well, it is an endowment for power, but it's not just that. As we read in Acts 15, 8, um, Peter said about the Gentiles uh, in Cornelius' household, God put no difference between us, the Jews, and them, the Gentiles, purifying their hearts by faith. So the baptism of the Holy Ghost um, can also and does incorporate a cleansing aspect, according to Peter, as, as his testimony of what happened to Cornelius and his household, and the testimony of what happened to them when they were baptized with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, that there was a cleansing of their hearts by faith. We're just talking about terms that relate to the idea of holiness. So baptism of the Holy Ghost relates to holiness. Also in other terms, perfection. This is a scary term for people, by the way. Um, some people will cry against perfection because they say we're never perfect. But there is a perfection that the scripture does speak of that we need to know because God commands us to be perfect even as our Father in heaven is perfect. 
<clears throat> so Paul talks about a perfection that he had attained, which some people have called Christian perfection. You can find that in the book of Philippians where he says that he was striving and he wasn't already perfect, but then all, uh, he turns around and he says, but to those that are already perfect, uh, but to those of you that are perfect, to be thus minded, right? So there was a perfection that they didn't have, which seems to be their glorified state in resurrection. But then there was a perfection that they had while they were here on earth. Uh, then there, And so that is the two different perfections, the resurrected glorified state, and then a perfection that is attainable in this life. And that relates to holiness, a moral quality or being. Be ye holy as the Lord thy God is holy. Be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Holiness is at the core of this. There's also another term that people use to describe holiness, and that is eradication. Um, that word in and of itself is not in the Bible, but we're just trying to talk about it because people use the word. I personally prefer to not use words that are that are not in the scripture, um, but I cannot be dogmatic about that because there we use the word Trinity, and that's not in the scripture, but we find that the Trinity is there. Um, eradication is something of the same. We're told these concepts concerning holiness. The body of sin might be destroyed. Mortify the deeds of the body. Put off the old man. Lay aside. So although uh, these are there are words in the Greek language that mean suppression, not one of them is ever used in connection with that disposition uh, to be made of inbred sin. Whenever it's talking about that indwelling sin inside of the Bible, it's not. There's no word that's used for suppression. It is always a word of destruction or death that that it's to be finished. Um, and so, if it were the plan of God that sin should be suppressed or counteracted, isn't it? Doesn't it seem reasonable that in the Greek we would find words that mean that? But if it were not God's plan to eradicate sin from our heart or cleanse us from sin of the believers. And then it's isn't it beyond explanation that a Greek word carrying this meaning was invariably used in indicating what that position was supposed to be. So the tense of the Greek verbs that are used in all passages, like Romans 6, 6, where it says the death stroke to sin is described, talking about the, the body of sin being destroyed. It's in a tense called eros, which indicates an act is being completed at a definite time and continuing as complete until the present time. And when the energy of the Holy Spirit in the work of entire sanctification is described, the verb is never used in the imperfect tense, the tense which the Greek uses to describe a gradual process. There's another term that's used uh, concerning holiness, and that is second blessing, and people don't like this either, but it's describing something that we find inside of the scriptures, inside of the Bible. Um, so it's not explicitly called second blessing in the Bible, but there is places where there is speaking of a secondness evidenced in the scripture. We can find about the apostles, that the apostles were saved, and then on the day of Pentecost, sanctified holy, according to Peter's own testimony. Um, sanctification is another word that we find, and that is the action of making holy, and only used in reference to human beings. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, 1 Corinthians 1.30. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-4. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, 2 Thessalonians 2.13. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. 
So here we find this is an action of making holy. This is not just a setting apart. There's some moral quality involved here. Also, uh, the term holiness, which expresses a state, a condition, a quality, uh, that which is called holy. Um, holiness is talking about God, which is underived. We find that in Exodus 15, 11. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? We find about it in man, the word holiness is a moral quality. Second uh, Corinthians 7, 1, which I referenced earlier. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and, and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And then inanimate things. So there's divine possession. Uh, holiness means divine possession. It means divine dedication, as we had said before. Um, and then we read in Isaiah 62, 9, but they that have gathered it shall eat it and praise the Lord. And they that have brought it together shall drink it in the courts of my holiness, the temple being a holy place. So that is just a, a beginning kind of a, a way looking at terminology concerning holiness. I hope you find this study helpful. Uh, and your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. Get in contact with me. I'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you. I'd talk with you over the phone, whatever's comfortable for you to just help you along in your journey with God. Tell your friends about our social media account and tell your friends about this broadcast as well. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. <laughs> Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen sa forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code. See you in the public square at noon.